Good morning. Would you please stand and sing with us? Would you please pray with us? 
Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for this day, for this beautiful weather that we're having, the beautiful sunshine. We thank you for giving us this day to come here together and worship you. We pray, Lord, today that as we listen to the message that you would open our hearts and open our minds so we could truly focus on your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Please greet one another. Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Cade. I'm the pastor here. We're so grateful that you joined us in worship today. If you're a visitor, uh, we know what it means to walk into a space that you don't quite know uh, anyone. You don't quite know where anything is. We're grateful that you walked in here. We hope you feel welcome. We have a security check-in station in the back for your children if they're fifth grade or under. We have coffee and donuts over here on the right, and we have restrooms here um, and seating pretty much anywhere in any type of uh, way. Uh, so we hope that you take advantage of that. We'd like to start our service um, with very simple announcements. I'm going to say less and less verbal announcements, but for today. And it's, um, uh, it's for an explanation. Uh, if we go to the next slide, this is what our church email looks like. And I'm aware that not everyone is aware of the significance of these hyperlinks on this email. We say, man, there's not much stuff in the bulletin now. There's not much, as much information. That's because we're trying to keep it as simple as possible, like a brochure for coming here on Sunday morning. But if you go here and you click on these links, you have our website, our newsletter for the month, our financial report, our prayer requests. You can submit a prayer request. Weekly prayer is a brand new link, and it gives you a prayer for the week, including those people that have given us prayer requests and things going on in our community and in our church. I think you're going to love it. We print a copy of that. A couple in the back, um, but several in the back of the sanctuary, an actual um, printed copy. You can click there and get the bulletin for the week. You can get the directory of everyone involved in our church. You can get the committee calendar of things that are coming on, the podcast that I do every week, and the birthdays for the month. That's on every single email. Guess where we don't have to put that? In the bulletin. We don't have to put any of that stuff there. Guess what we don't have to say? Any of that, because it's all there, as long as you know it's there. I want you all to notice that email. If you say... What email? Um, we'll get you on that email um, and help you take care of that. Uh, we also have a newsletter. In terms of print, the newsletter is now the home of the majority of our information. And now, again, that printed newsletter is digital um, as well. You can click on any part of this. Um, there are all sorts of helpful things that are coming up for the month. We want to thank um, Leanna for putting this email together. We want to thank Aaron for putting the newsletter together. They make us say less email you less. And when we email, put less content in there. We want to respect your time um, and things that are going on. Uh, we have a VBS video. This is another way we want to communicate with you because then we can put that in the email as well. We want you to watch a video for what's coming up. Rolling River Rampage Vacation Bible School is kicking off June 17th, Father's Day, and I hope you're all as excited as I am. Registration and volunteer sign-up are open at memorialgreer.com. Here are a few details you may not know that make this year special. Our major mission of the week is providing blessing bags for children whose families are served by Greer Relief. 
We're seeking donations of toys, socks, toothpaste, toothbrushes, individually wrapped snacks, and other items that children need or enjoy that would fit in a gallon Ziploc bag. You can place donations in baskets in the Family Life Center hallway and the Narthex through June 17th. Our kickoff is in the gym during the Sunday school hour and all ages are invited. Steve Holt, a gospel magician, will make balloons for the kids and then have a show with the Fishers of Men theme. Before the show, everyone can enjoy snacks and games with a camping and fishing theme, perfect for Father's Day. You can even make a gift for your dad. Our regular programming runs Monday through Thursday with Sunday school classes in circles serving dinner from 5 o'clock to 5.30 for children and volunteers. Monday night is Chick-fil-A, Tuesday is Chewy's Tex-Mex, Wednesday is pizza, and Thursday is still to be determined. I'd love to hear from you if you'd like to help that night. Each night of Vacation Bible School will begin and end in the social hall with an opening and closing session for all ages. We'll start at 5.30 and end at 7. From there, children will be divided by age and go to rotations. Each night, children will experience either missions and science or art and recreation for 30 minutes each. And we have some really special activities planned. On Thursday night, children in second through fifth grades will go off-site to Century Park, where they'll participate in a river cleanup of Maple Creek, led by experts from the Greenville County Soil and Water Conservation District, who will teach them about water conservation and water quality protection. They'll have a special prayer walk by the river before returning for the final closing session. Finally, Sunday, June 24th will be Children's Sunday, and the children will lead many aspects of worship to include all of the music at the 9 a.m. service, they will also sing the introit at the 11 a.m. service. Please plan for your child to attend and participate in this special day to conclude a special week. Can't wait to see you at Rolling River Rampage where we'll experience the ride of a lifetime with God. So um, we uh, will have that video on our website. It will be in the email. If anybody you know that's not here that needs to see it, they can see that um, as many times as they want. The only update is that Thursday dinner is uh, covered. We're done. So. I'm going to say less and less. We're going to email less and less. The thing that you, I need you to do is click more and more. Click on the top of those emails and see the information that you need, and then you'll hear from us a whole lot less. I think that will be um, a benefit to us all. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we thank you for this amazing space, for the ability to gather together for the children and youth that you've given us to serve for the music the prayer the scripture that can help us all Lord use this space calm our hearts and minds help us to hear your message for us this day inspire us with the prayer your son taught his disciples to pray our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We have a special presentation today. I'm going to call Katie Kate. She's our director of youth, and she's going to talk to us about graduates. You'll see a full list of those graduates on our newsletter for the month. Good morning. Today is a special day as we take time to honor the 2018 graduates of Memorial. We'd like to recognize those who are graduating college 
We have Garner Brooks graduating from North Greenville University. His future plans are to attend Wake Forest and the seminary program. We also have Graham Brooks. He's graduating from North Greenville University and he is pursuing his MBA. Um, now we would like to recognize the high school graduates. As I call their names, I ask each graduate to come forward to be recognized and receive a life application Bible. Austin Moore. Austin is graduating from Burns High School and his future plans is to attend Presbyterian College. Carson Radline. Carson is graduating from Greer High School. He's attending Clemson University. And Cody Sullivan is not here this morning. He is graduating Riverside High School and he is working at Cobb Tire as a mechanic. Let's give a Let us pray for these graduates. Dear God, please surround these graduates with your grace. Bless them with hope so that they move into the future with eager and open hearts. Help them to put the knowledge, skills, and insights gained through their education to use for the good of all humankind. Inspire them to believe in the goodness of life, even when faced with challenges and difficulties. Help them stay true to their dreams, to use their gifts wisely, and to walk into the future with faith, hope, and great love. Amen. Graduates, your church family prays you will always recognize God's presence in your life. We look forward to seeing all the exciting things you do in your future. Congratulations, graduates. Carson, unless you want to do the, you want to do the thing or no? The sermon, you good? No? Okay, I'll do it, I'll do it, fine, fine, I'll do it. People love it when people mess with them in front of people. That's their favorite, that is their number one favorite thing. My parents wondered if I would get into college, that's real. Fortunately, the Citadel did not have rigorous academic standards at the time. Uh, let's talk about um, your opening image. Power. We seek it in relationships, in real big ways, in tiny little ways. We seek it in the workplace, we seek it in our homes, and we seek it in our church. Why? Any number of reasons. One of the hidden reasons, one of the ones that's not truly emphasized is because we really don't want to do anything that wasn't our idea. We like to be the one that dictates what we're going to do, when we're going to do it, what the goals should be, what the outcomes should be. And this is one of the major difficulties that anyone has in any area of their life is who has power and what do we do about it? How do we communicate? And um, we're going to talk about that power in the scripture today. It is, uh, we have uh, really large scripture passages. Um, but I'll underline things because I want you to notice. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, 
The Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's talk about your next line. The power of food. How powerful a force is food in your life? It nurtures. It comforts. It gathers uh, people around your table. You'll travel great distances to get the thing that you want. You'll go to uh, hours and hours worth of work to have people around a table for a meal that's 45 minutes. But what if there's not enough food? What if there's in so many people, there's a limited amount of food, and someone's got to decide who's going to get it? Do you think in this society, where women don't have much power, and who women who are not uh, wed to a husband with much power dictate anything regarding any of that. When you hear the word widow in this context, it's different than the word widow in our context based on the power structures. In that time, I'm talking about you were at the absolute bottom. And so if that person isn't getting any food, which person's deciding who gets the food? And when you gather at a restaurant, when you have a bunch of people at a restaurant, all different ages, and the server comes and asks if you're done, a table of 12 people with those plates, how much food is usually left on those plates? Depends, right? But it might be a fair amount. If there were 144 people in that restaurant, and this table of 12 threw away half of their food, and people over in the far corner of the restaurant didn't get any food, they simply got water. How's that system going? That's exactly what's happening. And these people come to the faith leaders who are followers of Jesus trying to say, this is the way that we're going forward, and we say, hey, we're not getting enough food. So what's my job here on this campus? It's to somehow organize the leadership to delegate a great deal, to create a warm and welcoming environment, to put scripture into your hands, to lead worship, to um, marry people, to baptize people, to bury people. How much of my job is making sure there's enough food at a Wednesday dinner? If you looked on the job description, it wouldn't be much. 
But if it were a Wednesday night and there were 25 people left in the line and the food was gone, how much of it is part of my job? Right? Now, that wouldn't be, um, in our case, poor planning. In the, I'm sorry, in their case, poor planning of the... Uh, uh, oh, what is it when you uh, make a reservation? Reservations or the caterer. It would be the case that people in the church said, hey, we decide who gets the food and who doesn't. These men, these faith leaders who are trying to put together every logistical thing that they need to share this message in a hostile environment are now given the task of the power of food. But they don't say, uh, look, this isn't our problem. We got much bigger things to handle. They also don't run and go do it. And I could learn from that. Instead, they say, hey, who are, the, who are some of our most faithful people? And they had planning, they had care, they had generosity. All of a sudden, the power of food is the opposite because everyone's getting it. And when everyone is getting it, when everyone's gathering around the table, when you have opportunities for fellowship because there's enough food for everyone, that can really advance your ministry. Verse 8. Now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from the members of the synagogue of freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, we have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witnesses who testified, this fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw his face was like the face of an angel. So let's look at your next phrase. Power of drama. What kind of power does emotional instability have in any organization? If it's a relationship of two and one person is not stable emotionally or uses those emotions as a weapon, how's that relationship going? If it's a church and a certain number of people have gathered enough people to say, isn't this the dumbest thing that you've ever seen in your life? And try to get that further and further out. How much power does that have among the people? Well, it depends kind of on the strength of your church community. Um, I had a lay leader. You know, Ralph Johnson is our lay leader. You see him speak a lot. The lay leader in any United Methodist Church is present at every single thing, or they're um, uh, able to be. This lay leader loved me on my first day. And six weeks in, when I assessed what we were doing in a new church, and we were the equivalent of being like a meal with 
two forks and a couple spoons and a fancy thing up on the plate, yet we were in a school cafeteria. We really needed, in my opinion, to be um, paper plates and pizza at time of meal. Six, seven weeks in, he completely changed. And before worship, as the service was gathering, he, as the people were gathering, he would go up to each one of them and say, can you believe that this is what we're doing? Can you believe that? And then he would come and report to me two minutes before the service. I spoke to everyone. I spoke to how many people? Everyone. And they all think this is a terrible idea. What do you think that everyone and all indicated? Well, I mean, I'm not an expert. I certainly wasn't an expert that day. But that kind of thing happening directly before the service, I would guess has an impact on the execution of the service and people's ability to listen. Forget whether I was right. I don't know for certain. But that event, that happening before, the power of drama. Stephen already showed that he was um, significant, could do good things. Then he was given this task and fed people then we read more, and he's doing even more amazing things, and these guys do not like it. Why? You know, it's not them doing it. You ever feel a little bit jealous of a person truly succeeding in an area? You'll hear comedians say when they hear another comedian come up with some bit, they go, man, why didn't I think of that? It's total respect, but total pain, too. The power of drama in any organization is greater than just about any power. And they are leveraging that to make sure that they get him out of the way. Now, there's a large jump. There's a 53-verse jump from what we just read to what we're about to read, and I can summarize it. Stephen told about Jesus, about his significance on earth, about his sacrifice for the people, about the mistake that the religious leaders made many of which are still connected here, and said, and by the way, his message still lives. Stephen says, Jesus' message still lives. Remember that when we read verse 54. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus, standing at the right hand of God, look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. A good man doing great work, making sure everyone's fed, proclaiming the word of Jesus in a difficult environment, is dragged out of town and stoned. Why? The power of drama. That fear that I may not be in charge and that I need to do whatever it takes to eliminate anyone in my way. Now, a lot of people 
when they think of Stephen, they hear this text, they're familiar with Acts, you say, hey, what happened with Stephen? They often don't say, oh, he was the one chosen to make sure everyone was fed, and he was the one that succeeded in every task that he was given, outperformed everything that they ever hoped. They don't say that. They say, um, oh, that was the guy that was stoned. Now, why is that? Because that act of violence is so great, can't think about anything else. Can't remember anything else. That's the only thing that you remember. Do you imagine that that's the only thing I want you to remember from this story? Probably not. This is your last one. Power of sacrifice. What kind of power does that have? When you see a viral YouTube video of two brothers and the smaller one's got a cupcake and he drops the cupcake and the older brother says, here, you can have part of my cupcake. Not the big part, but the little part. When you see that kind of sacrifice, this is um, baseball season, which I love. You see an, an adult catch a foul ball and a kid comes running down and the adult hand the foul ball to the kid and the kid lose his or her mind running back up the stairs to their seat. That kind of thing lifts us up, doesn't it? Kind of thing makes hair stand up on your arm. That's because we see it so infrequently even though it has the most power with us. Why is that? Because we don't trust it. We don't know if it's going to work. We hedge our bets against the power of sacrifice with just straight up power. You know, I, that power of sacrifice may work. I might just seek power just to be safe. Then I don't have to put up with any of that stuff. Stephen set himself apart throughout the entire story. He displayed evidence before he was chosen. He thrived in the position that was given to him. He proclaimed the life and word of Jesus. And what did he sacrifice? One is his life. That's the obvious one. But you, you've heard eye for an eye, right? That was law set in place so that um, retribution would not escalate. You stepped on my foot, I punch you in the arm. You punch me in the arm, I punch you in the eye. You lost your eye, I lost my eye, I'm taking your arm. You lost, you know, ugh. The law was placed there so that if something happened to you, by accident, you lost your eye, all they can do is take the eye. That's it. <laughs> Which seems kind of vicious to us, but at that time, it's you know, kind of holding it back and keeping it simple. No, nope. you can only take his eye. That's all you can do. Jesus, when he uses that um, law, that rule, when he's alive, says, I know that that's accepted but I think we can do better than that. I think we can do better than eye for an eye. I think you can just offer forgiveness. So not only did he sacrifice his life, he says what only one person has said in the Bible. Do not hold this against them. So he sacrificed the judgment of these people. What kind of sacrifices in wished judgment could you make throughout the week? I guess a fair number. From very little to very big. 
Wade Hampton's uh, three lanes is going down the one lane. Everybody's in the one lane. We all know we're going in the one lane and the person rages by you and they jump 20 spots and they can't get in. God in your mercy. <laughs> Make this person be stuck until I go by. <laughs> right? Somebody does not um, uh, fill out the RSVP for um, the wedding reception and they're there. And there's a certain number of plates. Talk about food. If you gave up your desire for someone to get judgment that you feel they're due, if you gave up your desire for power, figuring if you have power, things are going to work out your way, and instead sacrifice both of those in the way that Stephen did, in honor of the way that Jesus did, this message gets carried forward. If you come to church on Sunday morning and you say, you know, that all sounds good, and you go out there and you manipulate everything around you in order to get what you want, then we're failing. And the message does not get transferred. Interesting that we read this text on a day that we gather at the table. When we gather at the table, it's about sacrifice and love and purpose and hope going forward from that day, regardless of the powerful who are seeking their death. As you walk forward through the table, consider things that you can sacrifice in terms of judgment that you hope for. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you'll please stand as you're able for our modern affirmation. We read this in the 9 o'clock service to affirm our faith. Um, you can read along with us. You can uh, say it with us. We believe in God the Father, infinite in wisdom, power, and love, whose mercy is over all his works and whose will is directed to his children's good. We believe in Jesus Christ, Son of God and Son of Man, the gift of the Father's unfailing grace, the ground of our hope, and the promise of God fulfilled. We believe in the Holy Spirit as a divine presence in our lives, reminding us always of the truth of Christ, our inspiration and strength in times of joy and sorrow. We believe our faith should be apparent in our words of love and acts of service, that the kingdom of God may be a present reality here on earth. Here on earth. We're not clamoring for power in this world. We're not clamoring for acceptance in the next world. We're not making sure that someone else is not accepted in the next world so that we don't have to put up with them. We're not doing any of that the way that humans have struggled with so, so long. The kingdom of God may be a present reality here on earth because I'm living in service and purpose and sacrifice. You may be seated. If you'll join me in our opening liturgy of communion by reading the bold. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin, and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, 
We confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. And we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. It's perhaps our obsession with the transgression of others, a pursuit of our own to try to overcome the things that we've done, the things we haven't done, the things that we've said, the things that we haven't said. Do we perhaps obsess about other people so that we don't have to think about what we've struggled with? Well, we all just prayed that we all struggle. A critical part of corporate worship. We all pray that we struggle and we don't just stop there. We corporately say that we are forgiven as individuals and as a church community. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. It's now time for our offering. Um, the plate will come by. You can certainly place something there. You can pass it to the next person. You can give electronically with instructions in the bulletin. And if you are new to us, you certainly can give. We don't expect it. Uh, you can rely on the generosity of our people.
So many elements of Jesus' power could have been used to tear other humans apart and get what he wanted. To make the disciples like a western going through town. Taking about anyone in their way. And in fact, in the Old Testament, a number of readings talk about a leader coming with a sword and taking out anyone that opposed them. It wasn't God's way with Jesus. Instead, he sat around a table with these people, with people just on the other side of the door. He said, take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me always when you go forth from this place. He took the cup. He gave thanks to God. He said, this is my cup of the new covenant, a new promise, a new hope poured out not only for you, but for many, for anyone going forth from this place who is willing to accept it. An honor, a peace, a sacrifice. In the United Methodist Church, all who want to come forward for communion are welcome to do so. In this service, we serve by intinction, which means you'll come by the middle. We'll give you a piece of bread and you dip it into the cup and eat it and go um, back to your seats. Um, I'm going to call the table people and the bleacher people first. If y'all will come down the center and uh, we'll serve you.
Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this table, for calling us together, for sharing your sacrifice with us. Gracious God, as we go forth from this place and we sit around so many tables for the remainder of this week, remind us, Lord, of this table. Help us in whatever way we can, our actions, our words, whatever way we can to share this same love and sacrifice with others who share whatever, whatever table we're sitting around. It's in your son's holy name we pray. Amen. This day I surrender my heart and my soul. I'm lost in the chaos, I'm losing control. I'm hopeless without you. These fears and these worries are weighing me down. I'm searching for solace, I'm starting to drown. I'm helpless without you. service. Our director of connection, Leanna Morris, is holding a group that's uh, learning more about one another, learning more about our church. We'll be right there at the back wooden door to take you directly to it if you'd like to go. Go forth in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power, and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen.
Have a great week.